Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is, uh, what do we have here, March 4th, 2016. It's Friday. Good morning. I had to look up the date there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. Joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have a full complement of co-hosts today, Doug, uh, Tiffany, Erica, Gabby, and Elliot. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Hey. Hey. Hi. So we have a, an interesting show for you today. We're going to be talking about uh, testimonials regarding the uh, ketogenic and or paleo diet. Um, some for, for both aspects of the diet, but I think uh, mainly for the idea of the ketogenic diet. Uh, so we would like to uh, welcome everybody to uh, either give a call uh, if you have a testimonial, um, some way that the ketogenic diet or the paleo diet has helped you in your daily life to overcome some kind of uh, malady or just to make your quality of life better. Um, so if you're on Blog Talk Radio, you can leave uh, any information that you want in the chat there on our Blog Talk Radio page, uh, or you're welcome to give us a call. Our guest call-in number is a U.S. Uh, phone number, 718 508 9499. Um, and you can also call us with Skype if you're on Blog Talk Radio on the site. There, there's a button where you can call us uh, via Skype. So that will work as well. Um, but we are going to start the show with about a half hour interview that uh, Tiffany and Erica did uh, earlier this week, uh, and Gabby as well, I'm sorry, um, with uh, uh, Peg and Mia who are going to be talking about their own experience with the ketogenic diet and how it helped them. Uh, That is about a half hour long. Um, So we're going to play that pre-recorded interview right now. So if you happen to call in within the next half hour, you won't be going on the air right away. But again, we still welcome uh, anybody who wants to, to, uh, to give us a call and share their experience uh, with the keto diet or the paleo diet and um, look forward to that. So I think without further ado, we'll just uh, we'll jump right into it. We'll play this uh, this interview that we have, and uh, we will be back live on the air after this in about a half hour. Hello, everyone. We have a different kind of show for today, one that we've talked about doing for a while. So today's show is going to be a testimonial show where people can share their stories of dietary change and the effects they've experienced. On the Health and Wellness Show, we've talked about the ketogenic diet, paleo diet, vegetarian myth, as well as benefits of going gluten and dairy-free and GMO. Our listeners are well aware, or should be, of the importance of diet as a foundation for good health, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual. It's pretty sad to realize that most people don't make the connection between how they feel and function and what they put in their mouths every day. Sadly, many people are digging their graves when a symptom or an illness comes along. It's often explained away as simply genetic, something that runs in the family, bad luck, or a complete mystery. But there are some people out there who get it, people who make the connection. They might not go all the way to a ketogenic diet. Sometimes making a few changes can go a very long way. A lot of people who get it don't necessarily have a background in the health sciences. And as an aside, I would venture to say that sometimes not having a medical background 
can be a good thing considering the brainwashing that takes place in a lot of medical training these days. So we're going to start off our show talking to two such people who've changed their diets and experienced results. We have Peg and Mia with us. They're from Texas. And Peg actually emailed us and she shared about what she's done, what she's been through. So uh, before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, Peg, uh, what prompted you to reach out to us? Uh, well, we went through one of the stories, just like you're explaining. I actually was first diagnosed with Crohn's disease about 40 years ago now, before other people really knew what it was. Um, and at that time, I'd had um, an emergency appendectomy. And when I told people that they found out it really wasn't my appendix, uh, but they took my appendix out anyway, but discovered there was an issue in the intestines um, and could be Crohn's disease, everybody was like, what's that? Um, and here it is 40 years later, and it um, seems that everybody knows what Crohn's disease now is now, you know. Um, and so I had been told for many, many years that because I'm not celiac, it did not matter whether I ate grains or not. Um, and I went ahead and did that. And over the course of time, I've had three resections where they've cut out part of my intestines. Um but since then, and, you know, I'm, I'm actually very fortunate. I don't have a lot of horrible Crohn's symptoms. Um, but since then, I've had two children. And um, my son is uh, the older of the two, and he's both uh, ADHD and dyslexic. Didn't know why. Fortunately, never put him on any drugs for it. Um, but he did learn to kind of deal with it. And um, And then I had my daughter who also became very sick. Um, and when I took her to a number of Western medicine traditionally trained doctors, um, it seemed to me I was, I was not getting the help that we were looking for. Um, and so I'm trying to reach out for others. We finally went through a whole, a whole line of things to try to figure out, okay, well, what do I do to help my daughter? And I'll let her tell her story to you. Um, I feel like there is some kind of genetic predisposition but that doesn't explain what happens from there, of course. So um, we went through a whole lot trying to get the right kind of answers. And as part of that, I've been reaching out to other people because I don't want them to have to go through all the stuff we went through, all the expense, all the time, all the trouble. If they can just connect with uh, others like us who can say, hey, I don't really know what's going on with you. I'm an attorney by training. I don't have any medical background, but I can save you some time and trouble just by sharing with you our story. Um, and so I'm trying to connect with others and, and make sure that we're on the right track as best we can be by reaching out to other people in a similar situation. So, um, and Mia has more to tell you about what she went through. Okay, well, I wanted to ask you first, Peg, um, what was it that was most frustrating for you, like when you first got the diagnosis and you were going through the treatments or the doctor's recommendations? For for Crohn's disease, for my own story yeah. with Crohn's disease, um, well, actually, I had a little bit of um, what they eventually diagnosed at the time as ankylosing spondylitis as well, which they said was very strange for a female to have, very unusual, um, but it's a form of arthritis at the base of the spine. Um, and um, I think the most frustrating thing was that nobody knew what to tell me. Um, they just knew that I had... Um, some inflammatory issues. Um, in fact, when I 
first got arthritis, um, my mother made an appointment for me to see some specialists in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, at the time, I was not inflamed. Um, I was about 12 years old at that time. At the time, I was not inflamed, and um, the doctors looked at me and decided it was all in my head because my older brother also had ankylosing spondylitis, and they felt I was just having um, sympathy pains for my brother, which I love my brother, but uh, no, I wasn't having sympathy pains. I was having occasional um, inflammation, um, and that eventually also affected my, my gut as well as um, as well as occasional arthritis. So the doctors kind of, couldn't really tell you what was making you inflamed, just that you. I mean, yeah, I mean, even the even the specialist, the the best in the world, um, told me it was in my mind. So that's what I was told. So what was your diet like up to the point where you decided to change it? Um, you know, honestly, I didn't pay any attention. In fact, I was asked on occasion how I coped with Crohn's disease, and my answer was, I pretend I don't have it. Um, and that actually was fairly effective for me. I don't have a lot of horrible symptoms, like I said. Um, but really, they didn't give me any specific dietary um, recommendations other than when it was really in a flare-up mode to stick with clear liquids. Um, and I was hospitalized on a few occasions where I had to be kept on clear liquids on an IV drip. Um, so other than that, um, you know, I just didn't have all the answers. They didn't know what to tell me, and I ate like anyone else. I didn't have any dietary restrictions. So you started doing your own research, and what did you find? Well, the reason I changed my diet was because of my daughter's story, and that's the one that's really compelling. Once I found what a significant change a dramatic, significant change was made for her. Then I looked at it, and I thought, wait a minute. There's more to this story than I've been led to believe. And at that point, after I saw what happened with her, I changed my diet. I went gluten-free. Um, I'm pretty much dairy-free, but I still need to work on that. But my gut is so much better. Oh, and I, she also got me off the medicine that I'd been on. Um, which is just cholestyramine, which was a resin to help me to keep fluids in my system because of the parts of the intestines that they removed. Um, and I was on that until my daughter got me to, to use um, uh, chia seeds instead, which have a, um, they, they, I just take some, they have a bind, binding agent in them and they worked much like the cholestyramine in that respect. And I'm just able to have like a bunch of chia seed in the morning and pretty much my, my gut is is great without the medicine, so um, so that that worked out nicely. <laughs> and honestly, once I started making the changes that we made for her, um, she's much better than I am. She eats a healthier diet than I do, quite frankly. But I'm closer to her now. I'm closer to a healthier diet than I've been in for years. And it is, it's food is medicine. It's making the difference that the doctors didn't know to tell me to make. And that's a pretty powerful statement that food is medicine. I don't think a lot of people really realize that or really take it on board. They might know, you know, have a general idea of, you know, I should eat healthier, I shouldn't eat so much junk food or fast food or things like that. But a lot of people don't take the steps to actually implement that. I so think that's exactly right. Yeah, it's it's 
a very significant impact. I mean, it makes sense, but we don't stop to think about it. What we put in our mouths and what goes into our guts is going to have a general effect on our overall health. Um, so it's really important, and it's very, very important in, in families like ours where we're kind of sensitive to that, but it impacts everybody. Not anyone is left out of that. Like, did you ever so, tell your doctors about your change in diet and how it really helped you? Not really, because I didn't end up going back to them. <laughs> so I didn't really have a chance to talk to them once I made the changes, although I have, they're not happy with me because I uh, haven't seen them. I haven't come back to them. So they're like, you know, uh, what's going on? What's happening? And I, I don't really have a need to go tell them, so, so I haven't. You represent a loss of income for them. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. So, yeah, um, things have been much better. Well, that's good. So I think Mia is itching to tell her story. She had a pretty interesting story. So, Mia, if you want to tell us how you were feeling before you changed your diet and what was going on. Yeah. Uh, well, I started developing multiple food allergies when I was, like, in third grade, um, and they progressively got worse to the point where it's like I really couldn't eat anything. Uh, and then I started experiencing psychotic breakdowns, which led to um, schizophrenic symptoms, in fact. Um, and I was getting really sick, and I felt, honestly, like there might be a day when I just don't wake up. Because mm -hmm. um, I, was, I was losing weight <laughs> as I was being psychotic. Um which is never a good combination. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I ask you, Mia, how old you were when these um, symptoms? I know you said the food allergies started happening around third grade, but when did you notice the the, the brain issues or the emotional issues? They started when I was about eleven, and they progressed until I was about thirteen when I made uh, dietary changes. Mm -hmm. So did a doctor actually diagnose you with schizophrenia? Like what kind of... Uh, we went to a therapist um, who never actually diagnosed me. Uh, he just questioned me and he questioned my lifestyle a lot. And before ever getting a fully diagnosis, he immediately prescribed me on antipsychotics. Um, and the guy who was, what is he called, who was feeling the psychotic... Yeah, I took her to a psychiatrist. Um, at the time, you know, she was having some depression. We'd lost her dad to cancer. She was having some depression, and she'd been hearing some voices every afternoon. And um, and I kind of blew that off as, okay, she's depressed. That's why she's hearing voices. Um, we need some happiness in her life. We need to have some fun. And then she began to see things. So I took her to a psychiatrist, and it was the psychiatrist who, without doing any blood work or anything, said, okay, well, we have to stop these voices, so let's um, prescribe antipsychotics. So I'll let me know. No, I was saying, what stopped that? What stopped you from getting the, the antipsychotics? Okay, so I went to um, the pharmacy, and I was kind of told some of the horrible side effects of the antipsychotics. 
I had just lost my mother um, a week before that, so it wasn't really in the most clear frame of mind. But when I saw what some of the side effects were, I went home and I got online and I researched um, allergies because she'd had terrible food allergies, allergies and brain. And the first thing that came up was um, schizophrenia. So I'll let Mia take it from there. So how do I even take it any further? Well, then you then they suggested uh, <clears throat> the article suggested that I went good and right and within a couple of days. Yeah, so that my symptoms went away. Okay, I, I just I thought you wanted me to describe what happened. Yeah. So yeah, so she went gluten free because we found leaky gut and we found that uh, gluten was the number one cause for leaky gut or one of the number one culprits. So I told her, look, I'm not going to give you these antipsychotic meds. I want you to she go gluten-free. to try going gluten-free for like a couple of weeks and see if anything happens. And yeah, it was about three days later that my symptoms disappeared. That's incredible. Yeah. Just three days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you cut yeah. out all, all wheat products? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually did a pantry raid. I went everything in the kitchen. I threw out everything and I replaced it with what I thought, you know, would be acceptable. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I never heard of, first, I've never really heard of anybody who just reads an article about their symptoms of schizophrenia and they see gluten-free and then immediately they just go and do it. And you did that and it you experienced changes in three days. So I think when you're desperate enough, you're willing to try any. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Except for the antipsychotic drug. (laughs) Yeah. Right, exactly. And I, I think it just it was kind of amazing to me because when I, I told her, let's give it two or three weeks and see if you notice any difference going gluten free and she is a very highly disciplined person. Um and so yeah, within two, two and a half to three days, all her psychotic symptoms went away. They were gone completely. No more voices, no more seeing things, completely gone. But that didn't mean she was completely healthy. So I'll let her again take it from there. So that was when what you went on a vegan diet. Uh, yeah, I a couple months later tried a vegan diet, um, but I was eating a lot of processed soy products, which you know obviously ninety nine percent of the crops are GMO. Um, and that's when I started uh, losing. I was, I think my lowest weight was ninety, and I'm up to one thirty right now. Um, and it was extremely, uh, just a very low weight that, uh, was not acceptable for anyone at any age. Um, and I also started not having the energy that I used to, which was scaring me because I always have been an athlete. Um, and so I, I decided to try again to figure out what was going on and I went off the soy and it took a couple of months to really regain everything that I had lost but uh, Mm -hmm. that changed quickly as well and um, that's what really launched me into autoimmune paleo and the paleo diet and um, I actually gained a lot of endurance and speed and strength since then I have become a competitive athlete since then 
She just competed this morning in CrossFit and um, did fantastic. She's um, going to be a winner, I think, in her age group. So, um, so it's it's yeah. the, it's definitely that you know, food is medicine, and that can really change your life entirely. Mm-hmm. And then it can make things happen that you would never expect to happen, mm-hmm. uh, especially with such a small change like diet. Mm-hmm. So the the vegan diet sounds like it oh, wasn't my. really the thing for you. No, no. Have either of you ever read the Vegetarian Myth by Lear Keith? No. Well, that's a great book. I mean, it's on Amazon, of course. But if you ever get a chance to read it, she goes into all of her history of uh, being a vegetarian and a vegan, and the the all the horrors that it wrecked on her health during that time. So it sounds like you kind of experienced something that was similar. So if you you ever get a chance, you should um, pick up a copy of that. We actually had a show uh, on Health and Wellness Show where we talked about the vegetarian mess. So if you look through Blog Talk Radio, that show will be on there if you ever want to give it a listen. Okay. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, yeah, Mia got sick on the... Um, uh, she, she really was. In fact, I took her to the doctor and she was looking pretty much yellow green at this point. And I said, you know, I think she needs a B12 injection. I took I took her to the primary care physician. And the primary care physician said, well, I don't do that. And I said, well, I really think she needs a B12. And he just looked at her and said, you know, mom, she looks really sick. And I said, yeah, no kidding. She needs B12, I think. And um, he sent me to uh, her a, a pediatrician who was also a gastroenterologist. And he looked at her and said, yeah, she's not looking too good. And I said, no kidding, can you give her some B12? And he said, well, we'll have to do a CBC first. And um, I was like, okay, well, let's get that done. I mean, in the meantime, she's looking yellow-green. Um, and then finally we got the CBC back, and lo and behold, yeah, she was B12 deficient. And this was despite taking supplements. But what we figured out is that um, because I'm undermethylated, I needed a particular form of methylated B12 in order to absorb it. So at that right. time, I was, you know, I was taking a lot of iron and I was thinking that I was taking B12 and I wasn't getting like any in my system at all right. during that time. So, Yeah, there's um, a certain B12 that's much more bioavailable than others, yeah. right. the methylcobalamin versus the yep. cyanocobalamin. Exactly what yeah. we got her to. Yeah, exactly. And then and then it made a difference. Then she had so much more energy. Her bad color went away. Um, that made a huge difference. So. so so from your email, it sounds like, Mia, that you eventually stopped eating all grains and all GMOs as well? I went completely organically paleo. Um, and now I'm actually writing a recipe book on it. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so when you write it, you should, you know, send us a link to it and we'll... We'll mention it on our show. (laughs) That'd be great. We're actually going to do a magazine um, that features people in real life, uh, their real life stories about getting sick and then um, discovering that they needed to go with an organic food lifestyle um, in order to get well again. Um, Because as I reached out to people after this happened to Mia, I discovered more and more people who had a similar story. I was astounded. And we have this health epidemic in this country right now. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, so many of these people are sick 
and they're sick from the glyphosates or whatever on the and the Roundup Ready crops, and they're sick from other toxins. Um, and a lot of them don't know it. They're not correlating the arthritic inflammation to what's going in their guts. Um, and so they're not connecting the dots to figure out that that's really what they need. Um, and we didn't get those answers from traditional Western medicine. We got them from going um, outside of the, the normal channels. And so I'm concerned that a lot of these people go to their doctors, they're not getting the right answer, and they're staying sick. Um, so that's, you know, I, I love what you're doing, Tiffany. Um, more and more of us need to reach out to those people who don't understand what's happening. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great. I'm glad that you both came onto the show and you shared your story. Gabby, do you have any other questions? Well, I was curious to know if the pediatrician knew about methylation. I told him my daughter is under methylated because actually at that point I had gone to a functional medicine doctor okay. who did the genetic blood work and said she was heavily under methylated. And, um, but I couldn't afford, I'm a single parent, I'm retired, I couldn't afford the cost of the functional medicine doctor, you know, $500 per hour at her office. So I tried taking her um, back to the gastro and I said, you know, my daughter's under methylated, what do we need to do? And said, you know, that's not hard science, methylation isn't hard science, so we can't really do anything with that, you know. He said, let's stick with what we know about. We don't know anything about that. That hasn't been legitimized yet. So, yeah, wow. it's yeah. really hard when you receive such non-answers of that, because basically the doctor is just saying, let me just stick with my own ignorance and I'm not going to think outside of the box and try to go the extra mile to help you. Exactly. Yeah. All ingrained in the system, too, from, you know, med school and everything. Yeah. Okay. Doctors don't take, what, they take a few hours of a nutrition course. I know nurses don't take much either. So a yeah, lot of blame uh, the doctors necessarily. It's their training. Yes. You know, we're not training our doctors correctly, and they haven't caught on to how much food is medicine. Of course, I don't know how much Big Farm plays into that because we don't necessarily okay, need to support gotcha. them. You know, but <laughs> it's you're talking money. You know, and so um, it's a little frightening. But really, I would rather um, have people get off of medicines when they can. I, you know, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nutritionist, but so many people I've talked to have been able to get off their meds by changing their foods. I'm like, yeah, I mean, at least try so, it. <laughs> yeah. At least try it. So. so you both have very interesting stories and have had really good results. Have you been able to influence any of the people in your family or friends or anything like that? Does anybody look at you and say, wow, you're doing so much better. I think I'm going to try what you're doing. I have been able to influence a few friends who were uh, dealing with things such as bipolar disorder. I actually have a friend who had like her kidneys were failing and she had sudden mood swings and I suggested that, you know, she looked up all this information and tied to glyphosates and tied to allergens uh, and she tried it and uh, it hasn't cured her, but it has made a significant improvement um, for her lifestyle. I also yeah. started a, a, a support, uh, not a support group, but a meetup group here in Austin called... Um, 
uh, leaky gut solutions for us to brainstorm. I'm getting a lot of responses back from people um, who have autistic children um, and feel that there's a correlation there as well. So um, hopefully we'll find some solutions. It's it's a brainstorming group um, so that we can, like I said, connect with each other because we're not necessarily getting the answers we need elsewhere. Well, that's that's a good tactic that you're using because networking is very important. There's no way that you can find out all the answers on your own. So having a group that you can share ideas with and share research with is really, really nice. Yeah, um, I'm actually, uh, my uh, college teacher said that I can possibly teach a class on it next semester, and I think I'm really up for that at this point. Yeah, Mia's actually doing a dual high school college credit program at this point. Yeah, I pulled her out of school when she got really sick. And then we put her back in by um, having her go to the community college where she can knock out some college credits while she's in high school as well. So um, that's what she's doing. And so she'll be able to actually teach some of the other kids there about nutrition a little bit. That's great. Yeah, it sounds like you're supercharged your brain in the process. Yeah. In a real learning experience. Um, you know, I retired about a year and a half ago, and I've been on this journey instead, and I am i don't have any training in, in medical or nutrition. Um, you know, like I said, I used to write bills for the legislature, so um, this is brand new to me, but it's it's a real learning experience, and I've been very grateful for it. So. And it's very exciting to learn new things and share it with people. It right. doesn't matter if you don't have a background in health. I, I think it helps more that you don't because yeah. you're even more curious and you're not resting on what you think you know. <laughs> That's my experience. <laughs> it does help to not have any idea about it. Okay, so you have more of an open mind to hear all kinds yeah. of ideas. Maybe that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, it's amazing to me how many people have been well, affected I mean, somehow. The proof is in the yeah. pudding, honestly. Yeah, yeah, the proof is in the pudding. So, any questions, Erica or Gabby? I have a comment to make. Um, I think that uh, Mia, your your story is really inspiring and. Being that you're still in high school and young, that you could make such a change for children of that age. I I have two teenage daughters, and um, my youngest did have uh, several kind of psychiatric symptoms, and we were given the same advice, you know, medicate them. And actually, uh, Gabby helped a lot in that process of recommending fish oils and um, GABA, HTP5, and mm-hmm. it really is amazing as a parent to watch your children change and not suffer emotionally or physically. It, it really, you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing my job instead of standing by and watching doctors give you all this false BS, excuse my, <laughs> my terminology, and... um it really gives you a sense of responsibility and also when you start to see the changes, you know what you're doing is right. And and to hear you 
you two work together on this is so great because I'm sure in a lot of ways it's brought you close together where you can have these discussions. I mean, we know with teenagers, you know, don't eat the pizza, don't drink the soda. It it could be a battle or it could be a coming together of forces. And it sounds like you guys have really created that. And now you're sharing your story with other people, which is inspiring. Well, thank you very much. It's, I, I remember going to bed at night a few nights you know, where I just thought, I don't know, am I going to wake up and find Mia has died during the night? Um, it was it was horrible. But uh, to see where she is now, where she went to a CrossFit competition and just kicked butt, um, <laughs> pardon me, but this morning, um, and how healthy she is, I just, I'm so proud of the progress she's made. She's just um, on the right, on the right path now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, out of the mouth of babes, as they say. (laughs) Well, I want to say thank you to both of you and congratulations on all of the changes that you've seen, especially Mia. I'm still kind of blown away by your story because as a psychiatric nurse, I've never seen anybody overcome any symptoms of schizophrenia. Of course, they don't go and change their diets. I always wish they would. I would drop a few nuggets of wisdom I thought to try to get them to change things, but, you know, hearing that you stopped having these symptoms and you had them at such a young age, I'm sure that was pretty scary for you and scary for Peg as well. Mm-hmm. But um, congratulations, and congratulations on starting the book, and I hope to see it come out. Yeah, thank you, thank very, you much. very much. Yeah. And we do offer a, a weekly recipe on our health and wellness show. So if you need any um, great recipes for the paleo keto diet, uh, please go back through our archives and listen in. We always have a recipe at the end of each week. And if you have any great recipes to share, please email them to us. Okay, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, we will definitely look at that. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for coming on, and good luck with the book, and good luck with your your meetup group. Yeah, thank Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us very much, yes. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely, yeah. I'm hoping we hope this quite round. Maybe we'll get an update. (laughs) Great, okay, yeah. Um, We're hoping to reach more people, and I mean, with Mia, it was so dramatic. You know, I know that's a little unusual, that two and a half days, you know, from from having uh, issues to not having them, just going gluten-free is so dramatic that how can we not share this and possibly help other people who might be having similar issues? So, absolutely. Thank you very much. So that was uh, Peg and Mia talking about their experience with the keto and paleo diet. Pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's really incredible how quickly her symptoms went away. Yeah, well, that was a real shocker. (laughs) I love to hear them. I love to know they they exist. You know, I never met someone who like decided to look up on on her symptoms like leaky gut and decide not to take the the psychotic drugs. That was so great. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know I've heard a number of, uh, you know, not specifically with, like, schizophrenic-type symptoms, but um, with uh, anxiety. Um, I've heard a number of people talk about basically eradicating uh, really heavy anxiety 
uh, by just simply going gluten-free. That's not even taking into account all of the other diet changes that we talk about, but just eradicating gluten makes those drastic changes. Mm-hmm. And also the the uh, reducing of inflammation as well, like Peg was talking about, you know, the, the lower spine pain and um, recognizing that the, the diet was actually causing that. I mean, that's huge. And that the doctors, you know, told her it was all in her head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to have some good news for once instead of all the the gloom and doom and the vaccines and the GMO. It's nice to hear from people who actually made changes and, you know, experiencing good results in their everyday life. That is warming. And are excited to yeah. share. Yeah. Call in and give a testimonial. I mean, in some circles, it will be considered a miracle. Because Crohn's disease is so crippling and debilitating, you know, people have very mutilating surgeries. So to have these two women share their stories, it was really awesome. It was really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it lends a lot of credence, actually, to all, you know, the stuff that we talk about on this show. You know, to, you know, we, we have, like you said, all the doom and gloom about the GMOs and the vaccines and, you know, all the, the what the diet is doing to people. It really, like, you know, it's, 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 it's just uh, lends a lot of credence to that because, you know, it's one thing to sit there and talk about all the, uh, the negative stuff, but to have somebody come on and say, I made these changes and look what happened. Like, that really, like, it, it gives a, a lot of hope to, uh, to, to the fact that you can make these big changes and it isn't all doom and gloom, that if you do um, make the dietary changes and, and, and really kind of clean yourself up, you know, just what amazing results you can get. Mm-hmm. And as yeah. we said in the interview, the proof is in the pudding. Absolutely. <laughs> or the fat The proof bomb. is in the fat bomb. <laughs> 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 I know I, I had a similar experience that was not so um, drastic regarding something that is as, uh, as threatening as Crohn's. Um, but in the past, I had uh, chronic pain and uh, chronic uh, muscle and joint pain, uh, especially in my neck and shoulders. And uh, the first, kind of similar to what Mia talked about uh, at the beginning, I just went gluten-free, and I wasn't even into, like, the whole paleo thing. But as soon as I went gluten-free, a lot of that went away. And as I got further into eating a high-fat, low-carb diet, uh, it just has improved more and more. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before that now, uh, if and when I do uh, slip, you know, on my diet and eat something that I shouldn't, um, it's I feel it right away. It's like somebody puts a tensioner into my muscles and screws it tight, and they just get really tight and painful. Um, so, I mean, my reaction time is, is really quick, within like a couple hours of eating something that mm-hmm. I shouldn't. Um, so I suppose that's good and <laughs> that, it's, that it is so quick and that I can notice that. But, uh, you know, it, it's also... Um, it's a stark reminder, you know, as to what actually causes that, that pain and inflammation. Mm. We actually have a caller here uh, who wants to share her testimonial. We have um, Lynn from Massachusetts on the, on the line. Hi, Lynn. Hi, y'all. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Uh, I want to tell you a bit about my story, which Gabby's very familiar with. 
Uh, I was back in 2001 diagnosed with Churg-Strauss syndrome. Uh, and the symptoms I had when I wasn't on 80 milligrams of prednisone at that time mm-hmm. were it hurt to walk on my feet, so I'd kind of have to shuffle. I couldn't kneel because my knees hurt so bad. My skin was itchy all of the time. I'd break out in uh, a rash around my ankles, which would turn into pencil eraser-size lesions on my on my ankles. I uh, couldn't stand anything touching my skin. Even my hair bothered me. Uh, very, very tired. A lot of fibromyalgia. Uh, and there's probably a lot more I, I, I don't know about. Oh, uh, uh, the colitis. I had uh, ulcerative colitis. Uh, and those those are the symptoms I can remember right now. It's been so long. Uh I finally went to a rheumatologist who put me on methotrexate. And this was all before I found uh, the Cassiopeia form and before we started our paleo experiment. And once we started the paleo experiment, and I got off of grains and dairies, Gabby and Laura were both helping me to get off the methotrexate plus a bunch of other uh, medicines because methotrexate is way up there on number one evil drugs mm-hmm. to take. And through their help and through being being on the paleo diet, I got off the methotrexate and a lot of the other uh, drugs I was on was doing the uh, doc, doxycycline instead. And I, the reason I'm stuffed up is because even though that's gone, I'm very sensitive to histamines and as long as I eat anything, I have histamine reactions. So the best thing I could do is not eat, but I wouldn't get very far. Uh, <laughs> but as far as everything else, uh, I have been off the methotrexate, uh, and it doesn't hurt to walk on my feet. I can kneel. Uh, the rashing and stuff is gone. Uh, the colitis is under control. Uh, just you know, almost normal. I still am fatigued, but not near as badly as I was. And my fibromyalgia has reduced a lot. And that was just going, you know, off the grains and dairy, and then eventually going keto for uh, most of it. And diet really does make a difference. It really does. If people knew that, you know, the pharmaceutical companies would probably go out of business, which is why the people huh. don't know about that. <laughs> so, anyway, there was a big difference uh, wow. with just getting rid of that stuff. Uh, I I can hardly believe what I was like, you know, before before all these changes. It was it was just not a way to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lynn, if I may ask, has your your doctors... Oh, I'm sorry, Gabby. No, no, go ahead with the question. I think it's important. I was curious if your, you know, has your doctor seen these results? Have you talked to them about it? You know, do they they believe you, I guess? Uh, Uh, Well, what's their their medical opinion? Yeah, 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 their medical opinion. Uh, Here's (laughs) the deal. In 2012, I got food poisoning and had to go to the hospital. And it came out that I was not on the methotrexate. I was doing the hydro, uh, 
doxycycline and, and intermittently hydrocortisone. And the doctor, when I told her, just where are you getting that stuff from? And I, I said, Canada. And she says, you know, that's just, you can't do that. And I said, but I'm not any different than when I was on the medicines. Well, that didn't make a difference. Um, mm-hmm. And I also told her I had, one one doctor said I had the worst case of nasal polyps he'd ever seen. I got rid of those because Gabby suggested on the forum the sniffing of nystatin. And I kept reading and reading, trying to find what the cause of polyps were. And they finally came out. I found something that said they thought it was fungal or uh, molds. And I knew exactly then, because uh, where I was working at, they took off the roof of the building. And I and another person had to go and uh, shovel off all that stuff that came off the roof. And I knew there was mold and, and fungus and stuff in that. So that's why I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to try the nice statin. Uh, anyway, no, she did not believe anything about uh, what I was doing was, was helping and right and everything. So since she knew I didn't like methotrexate, she put me on, and Gabby, I'm not going to say this right, azathione or something like that, which uh, Gabby says, yeah, that's evil too. But I'm not mm-hmm. taking it, and she doesn't know I'm not taking it. But as long as she thinks I'm taking it, that's okay. <laughs> you know, she's fine with it. But I did, I did see a new uh, primary care physician and told her because uh, it came up, "What's your diet like?" And I said, "I'm on, the, on a, a low carb, high fat, you know, medium protein diet." And I just about fell off of the the chair I was sitting on. But she says, "You know." More people should eat that kind of diet because they're huh. finding out that carbs are causing all this stuff that we thought was fat. Wow. Yeah, and now she's from Poland. Mm. Not that that makes a difference, but I thought, geez, you know, she's a doctor with an open mind. Of course, I didn't <laughs> tell her anything else. I was afraid well, if I would That's good enough in itself. You should keep her. Keep well, yeah, her. I'm going to. Yeah, you bet. So anyway, that's my story, and, yeah. and it really does make a difference what you eat. So absolutely. And now I'm just trying to heal my gut to get rid of this histamine problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing the iodine. Oh, good. Yeah. And how are you dealing with the iodine? Well, you know, I was. I told you. Uh, I took quite a bit at first because uh, reading what Laura had, had posted about taking so many drops if you're sick, and I still do have health problems. I haven't got them all. I'm just a lot better. <clears throat> so I started doing uh, five drops of 12% twice a day, and I was taking the SSKI 130 milligrams because I do have lung problems, although mm. I haven't had any asthma flare-ups recently. And... Uh, you know, started getting the some of the signs, muscle soreness, uh, constant nose running, and, and, you know, things like that. And since I had to go see the doctor, I quit taking it for probably 10 days so that those things would clear up. So after listening to the Lynn Farrow show, I, uh, I'm doing now two drops uh, twice a day <laughs> for a while to see how that goes. And if I can up it, I'll up it. And... Uh, 
that's where I'm at on it. Do you realize that there might not be two patients with church trials that are not taking the methotrexate? Um, It's like a really amazing story, I mean, because, you know, most of these patients, they're just immunosuppressed with drugs, and that's it. That's the only solution. Well, here you are, it's just like, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to take it. I know it. But nobody, you know, everybody believes they're doctors. And uh, I don't know, if, probably if I never would have uh, found uh, Laura in the Cassiopeia Forum and the SOT site, I wouldn't have known any better either. It really, you really have to be looking for the information to, to know it. And all of y'all's research has just been marvelous. Well, we really appreciate you calling in, and uh, I, I think it's it's good, like you said, that you you backed off on the iodine a little bit and try to start it slow. That seems to be something that we're learning, especially after talking to Lynn Farrell, that yeah. it's it's best to just kind of ease into it and see how things go. Yep, yep, yep. So I thank you for your show that you have on every week because you guys are doing a, a fantastic job of getting the health info out there. Thank you, Lynn. Well, thank you. Thanks yeah, for listening. Thanks and for thank calling, you very much Lynn. For calling. You bet. Onwards and upwards. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bye-bye. We've got another caller <laughs> live from our studio. <laughs> his name is Dave, and he wants to share his story. Hi. Mm-hmm. Um, I just oh. want to share a testimonial and the uh, health benefits of changing your diet uh, to the paleo keto. Um, maybe a little background of some of the issues I was suffering from. Um, I had suffered uh, a couple of herniated discs in my L4, L5. Um, I had hypoglycemia. Uh, I had acid reflux to the point where uh, I had, eat, had eaten multiple holes in my stomach, so I had multiple ulcers. Um, at the time, I was... Uh, eating what I thought was pretty healthy, you know, all organic, but I was eating, you know, a lot of fish, rice, you know, dairy, gluten, you know, all that stuff. And it has has led to these uh, health issues. So, you know, I started uh, eliminating the the wheat and gluten. Oh, I I should have, I gained uh, at least 60 pounds during this time. So, uh, I had gone to the doctor about the acid reflux because it was so severe. I felt like I was having a heart attack. Uh, You know, I was having acid come up in my mouth, you know, daily. And uh, so I went to see a Western doctor, and, of course, they wanted to do an operation, and I didn't think that was really a good idea. I went to a natural path, and uh, she suggested I eliminate the gluten and the dairy. And just by doing that, Within days, the acid reflux went away, and you know, so uh, so I started experimenting more, and you know, let Elio diet, keto diet, and all these symptoms, you know, these issues I was having, all went away, including losing. I probably lost close to fifty pounds. You know, like almost two hundred thirty pounds down to one hundred fifty pounds. Wow! Wow! And you know, at now I'm about 
I'm years old, and I feel like I'm 25 years old. I mean, the, the lower back pain is almost completely gone unless I use you know, it for a long period of time. Um, lots of endurance, you know, no acid reflux. Uh, the hyperglycemia is gone, you know, just feeling fantastic. That's amazing. And, yeah, what was the, the input you got from people around you, like kind of Mia's story about – uh, were you a source of inspiration for other people around you? Like, did people notice the difference, especially with the weight loss? Because that seems to be a big obsession with a lot of people. Oh, it's funny. At one point, I had gained so much weight that I ran into an old friend, and he was just like, Jesus, what happened, man? You just blew up, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I went to the other extreme where I lost so much weight that I ran into a friend at the grocery store, and they thought I was uh, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's really amazing the, the change you can have on your health. Daddy's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted to share that, you know. Hopefully uh, people can be inspired. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Yeah, I had acid reflux one time, and that was enough to make me say, oh, my God, I never want to have this again. So I can't imagine having so many ulcers in your stomach that they want to do an operation on you. Yeah, it was was pretty bad. And, you know, know, I I never went back to the doctor ever again. (laughs) And so I, I don't think I have any ulcers. I have no stomach problems now. You notice, though, like Jonathan shared, if you um, cheat or go off, you know, if you're out and you eat something that that you're not supposed to eat, do you notice a reaction? Uh, Certain types of food, also interesting, like say coffee, for instance. I could not drink coffee, you know, when I had Mm -hmm. the uh, reflux. But once I changed my diet and got kind of cleaned up, I have no effects from it at all. I don't even get jittery usually. Mm. You know, I mean, some foods, you know, Oh, go ahead. A lot of people will be interested in hearing in hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that out there for us coffee lovers. It keeps us hope. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, other foods like, you know, dairy is one that I, I still have a lot of trouble. If I have a little bit of dairy, I get nauseous almost immediately. Does that include butter, or is that merely just milk and cheese and stuff? Uh, uh, I'm okay with butter, no problems at all, but uh, especially, you know, uh, creams too. So I really try to avoid those if I can. Okay. So it sounds like changing diets for most people, it it turns their body on where they become really aware of symptoms. They can't tolerate things that they think that, well, that they thought they used to be able to tolerate. And the second thing is that it kind of keeps you away from going to the doctor. <laughs> so you save money. <laughs> yeah. Avoid the doctor yeah. like the plague. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I agree. I actually agree. I want to do that. <laughs> no offense, Gabby. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Great. Thanks for sharing, Dave. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. No, a lot, thank Dave. you. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks, here. Dave. <laughs> thanks. 
Well, we have another uh, caller. Uh, this is great. Our lines are blown up today. Um, so let's bring her on. Uh, Christine from Michigan. How's it going? Hello. Hi. Hey, Christine. <laughs> hey. Um, I was just calling about uh, my the my situation when I changed my diet. Uh, I probably changed my diet in about 20, 20, 2009 maybe. It's been a long time. Um, but I had been sick for a long time before I actually stumbled upon the information about the diet. I had been diagnosed with Crohn's in the year 2001, 2000 mm. or 2001. And uh, it took a while for them to diagnose me. I actually was rushed to the hospital for emergency surgery because I had a complete and total intestinal blockage oh due to the Crohn's disease. So, but I was on medication for many years, a good five, six years before I actually stumbled upon uh, a homeopathic doctor who made some suggestions about possible Crohn's, uh, reasons for Crohn's, Crohn's conditions having to do with diet, having to do possibly with candida. So then I went on a diet that was supposed to eliminate candida, no wheat, no yeast, no sugar, uh, which is pretty much the paleo diet. I didn't, I hadn't actually heard of the paleo diet at the time. I was mainly just trying to cut out all the things that would feed the candida in my body. So and I ended up being able to come off of all of my medication after wow. suffering. And I suffered a lot like the woman who you had on your uh, the interview with. Uh, she The same thing. They did an appendectomy thinking that it was my appendix, and they ended up taking out my appendix anyway. And um, I also had two other surgeries. So just about identical to her. Because they removed pieces of my intestines as well three times, mm-hmm. just like that woman. So I can yeah. totally relate to her story. Uh, and no, they don't mention nutrition ever when they're talking to you mm-hmm. about bones. Um, and it was, she had her uh, issues way before mine, it sounds like. Her, her uh, situation happened many years before mine. But yeah, even when my situation happened in 2000 they didn't know anything about Crohn's nothing Hmm. it's always so amazing to me that when people have gut issues or Crohn's or something like that that no one ever seems to think doctors especially like what goes through your gut except food why would food not Right. Have an effect on your gut. Understand why people don't make exactly. That that's the old, that's what you're doing with that part of your body. You would think they yeah, would put that to those entire purpose together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and now I am I am not strictly keto. I do eat a little bit of carbs because I am a small person. And uh, when I was sick, I got down to like 87 pounds. I weigh Whoa. just under 100 pounds right now, and. Mm. Uh, I, I still ingest a little bit of carbs just to keep that weight up. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't have any issues. I don't take any medication, and I owe it all to the change in my diet. Wow. That is great. That's an awesome testimony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Christine, I hope, I that, like, I hope that this show <laughs> reaches a lot of people because um, 
in my opinion, taking this route of controlling the Crohn's through diet is so much better for your body overall than the medications that they give you for treatment of the disease. Well, I mm-hmm. hate to even call it a disease, but yeah. you know what I mean? It, the treatment itself is actually almost worse than mm. the disease itself. And I hope that this show reaches a lot of people so that they can maybe look into it themselves and do the research. And Yeah. Let's yeah. take a better ride. Are you still stopped? <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. What did you say? Any right now. Are you still seeing your doctor? Yes, I still see my doctor. And yes, every time I go, he asks me, so you're not taking any medication? And I say, nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> what, what does your doctor say to that? He, um, well, as you know, they don't. You know, when you go and see him once a year, they never remember. He asks me the same questions every time, so you're not taking any medication. You're controlling it completely with diet. How are you doing that? You know, and I tell him the same thing every time. But, you know, he's not jotting down notes in his chart or anything, so what are you going to do? I hope the information you shared will reach him sooner or later. They just run an automated script in their brains, so they ask the same questions over and over again. Yeah. Well, you know, like, they see wow, you once a year. He's not taking any medicine. <laughs> right, right. And I just I just try to reach lots of people because, like I said, when That's I was your... diagnosed, nobody knew anything about Crohn's. Um, now there's so many people that have it uh, that it's a lot more mainstream. And I hope that uh, people will start reach- researching the diet option. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Here. <laughs> no, that's that's great. Thank you for sharing. Um, I sure. I agree. You know, I hope it gets no, out. It's something I, visit. I I had never really heard about uh, Crohn's very much in the past, but it seems to be coming up more now. So I wonder if you know a number of years on into the uh, the modern American diet, you know, being being prevalent now for what. 50 years, 50 or 60 years um, mm-hmm. that we've been into kind of, you know, processed foods uh, and, um, and a lot of the negative things that are, that are in the modern American diet that these diseases like uh, Crohn's, um, you know, IBS, things like that are becoming much more prevalent. Uh, yeah, yes. hopefully we can get this information out there. And it's kind of a cumulative thing, but it seems like the people who are getting Crohn's are younger and younger now too, which is sad. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Christine. Um, I actually have a friend who's only 22 years old and he's, he was diagnosed with Crohn's maybe three to four years ago. And it's a really terrible condition. Um, and, and it's sad to, to think that so many Crohn's, um, disease sufferers, the only option they have is to go on this really horrific medication or worst case scenario, which is actually quite common now, is they'll cut you open and they'll take out your intestines. Yeah. And then they'll yes, patch it entirely. Up. They've come up with some amazing ways to just hack away at your body, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a similar thing, Elliot. I have a, a member of my family who's um, who's young, you know, early twenties, who also has Crohn's, and so it does seem to be more prevalent among the younger generation now. Yeah, I think that I was about 24 or 25 when I was diagnosed, when I had my issues. But now you see it in people as young as 18 in high school, yeah. 20, you know. So, um, yeah, I had a girl that was tw- 12 that, that got oh. diagnosed with it. 12. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. awful. Just to clarify, Christine, um, yes? before, you were di- before you were diagnosed with Crohn's, um, did... I mean, were there significant gut issues sort of leading to that throughout your whole life? or Yeah, or and you find that in a lot of people. You find that in a lot of people. You, um, do you ever hear the phrase, you don't know how bad you feel till you start feeling better? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you suffer from these symptoms your whole life. You never realize that you're suffering from symptoms. So, you know, and there's all kinds of other things, too, where, you know, slow development i am a very small person i you know and it's a very good possibility that a lot of these things can be linked to diet and the crows so mm. yeah your body's essentially starving right because it's not right you're not the getting the nutrients from the gut. right yeah because yeah. It, it it has it's challenged in absorbing them mm-hmm. It's interesting you mentioned that because I was reading about obesity being the same kind of thing, that the gut becomes so um, packed with what was called spackle from all of the uh, processed foods and that um, the lining of the gut basically becomes almost like plasterized and people Mm -hmm. are eating and eating and they're not getting any of the nutrients out of the food. Mm -hmm. So they're always hungry and they're always eating. Yeah, yeah, they, they eat they just keep eating because they're always hungry because they're not really getting the nutrition. So their body is telling them, eat more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and essentially mm-hmm. they're starving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think another thing that plays into it is that people are just really reluctant to talk about poop and their bowel habits. So mm-hmm. a lot of these <laughs> symptoms remain <laughs> hidden for years when they really shouldn't be. Yeah, unfortunately when you have Crohn's, you have to get like over once that. A week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, everybody needs to take a page from your book, Jeff. Booty duty. <laughs> you need to go out and educate the masses. Talk about poop. Yeah. <laughs> well, Christine, thanks a lot for calling in and sharing your story. Hopefully, uh, sure. you know, we have listeners who um, may be suffering from the same condition and can get something from this. Well, I've shared it on Facebook, and I am going to share it with lots of specific people that I know that could benefit from listening to the show, and I'm hoping that we reach a lot of people. Cool. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Thanks, Christine. Thanks. So, I mean, you know, even just in the few stories that we've heard, uh, I'd say it's, it's pretty clear. And, of course, you know, these are only just a few stories. There are so many. Uh, if you just spend a little bit of time, you know, online looking up testimonials about uh, paleo or ketogenic diets, uh, especially in regards to gut issues, I mean, they're just all over the place. And um, I, personally, for me, um, the the case is closed. This is the way to treat it. You know, mm-hmm. it's the safe, effective way to to heal your body. Um, 
but you know, unfortunately, we still have a culture of of medications, um, a pharmaceutical culture, and uh, I know um, Lynn had mentioned uh, methyltrexate, and that that's a really bad one, you know. And oh yeah, it's, just, uh, it, it's it's staggering to me that uh, that doctors would kind of default to some of these medications that are so harmful. Um, but you know, yeah. like we've talked about in the past, uh, they either you know, and this is not to talk down on all doctors. I do believe that there are good, well-meaning doctors out there. Um, I'm sure that there are a few who, you know, just don't care. Um, but I don't mm-hmm. think that that's the majority. I think the majority have just been taught a certain thing. And so that's what they go with. They go with what they've been taught. Um, and it's hard to pull yourself out of that rut, you know, once you've been in the uh, in the medical industry for so long, practicing a certain way. Uh, you know, it's hard to challenge the, the status quo and say, well, here's another option that works much better and is much safer. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot well, of ways, too, doctors are just limited, not just in what they know, but a lot of times in what they're allowed to do. And sometimes a lot of doctors also just treat the labs instead of treating the whole person. And a lot of doctors don't ask about poop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just don't sure. think it's related. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing, too, is that, uh, you know, I came from uh, like a holistic nutrition background. Um, I had studied holistic nutrition back in 2008. And, you know, it, it's interesting to hear, um, you know, uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on her name. Um, the, the the young girl in the interview from the beginning, um, yeah. talk about yeah Mia sorry, and uh, she she had mentioned that she had uh, tried a, a vegetarian diet or was it even vegan diet, um, so it's it's really interesting that even people who are looking at diet um, are still there's so many avenues to take the wrong turns, um, yeah. you know I was coming from this holistic nutrition background and. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like even though it's not necessarily promoting a vegan diet, the vegetarian myth is very ingrained in that culture. And, you know, the less meat you're eating, the better. And meat is, meat is causing all the problems. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for myself, it kind of took a lot to kind of get over that mindset and to uh, start looking more into a paleo-type diet. Um, and I had symptoms very similar to Dave. I would get kind of uh, reflux symptoms, although I don't think they were quite as extreme as his were. Um, and, you know, I was carrying around a lot of excess weight, despite the fact that I'm eating this holistic diet, you know, and it's kind of like, well, I was, I was thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm just one of those people who, who carries around a lot of extra weight. Um, and it's, it's, it, but it's not the case. Um, so once I started looking into more paleo solutions, um, as opposed to kind of staying in line with the uh, politically correct kind of uh, vegetarian-oriented type diet, that's when the changes really started happening for me. Um, you know, getting rid of the grains, getting rid of the legumes, which are kind of the, the staple of the, of the, the um, flexitarian or vegetarian type diet. Um, that's when I started seeing the really big changes. So it's, I, I think it's not just the doctors, although, you know, that, that, that's a, a, a bad situation in and of itself. But even, even the, the alternative solutions a lot of times aren't solutions at all. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me like all these yoga practitioners and even martial mm-hmm. arts practitioners like going vegetarian, you know, it's totally bizarre. Yeah. So guys, yeah, we, we have another we have another caller. Do you want to go ahead and go ahead, Elliot? And then I can introduce oh, our no, caller. I was, I was, I was just going to comment on uh, on the whole juicing culture as well. You know, um, mm. 
I, I think it's similar to what Doug said um, during my lectures in nutrition. It's meant to be sort of alternative and naturopathic, but um, but for things like high blood pressure and everything, they, they still promote less red meat, um, juicing, lots of kale, and, and, and I think it's really quite embedded within the alternative sort of health culture. It's mm-hmm. difficult. It's difficult for a lot of people to break free from, I think. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is because at first a lot of people do experience health benefits from switching to a vegetarian or a vegan diet because there's just so much crap that they're cutting out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then after a while it just becomes unsustainable. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's true. So we have another caller. Her name is Meg, and she wants to share her story. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hey, Meg. The phone? Hi. Hi. Yeah, um, I guess in, in March of 2005, um, I woke up and I had lost the right, the use of the right side of my body, and I was diagnosed with MS, and I suffered from – it was almost like a stroke victim. You see a stroke victim that affects their right side or the left side. It affected my speech. It affected my le- right leg, right arm. Um Everything from my ears to my eyes. Um, I had trouble with heat sensitivity. I had um, electrical shocks, you know, happening in various places in my body. Um, what's called a right leg drop. Uh, if you guys are familiar with physical disabilities, it's where the the leg, the foot doesn't drop well when you walk. It's a gait issue. I had optic neuritis, numbness, tingling, cognitive problems, fatigue, balance problems, coordination problems, the whole nine yards. Um, yeah, it was a it was it was a real adventure, um, but it started for me. We did a, what's called an elimination diet, and just based on the results of that, I went low carb. So I was just eating vegetables and meat, um, no high fat, and um, slowly but surely, I think it took probably. I'm still recovering from it, I think, but it probably took a good year uh, for me to recover those things. Um, one of the things that I noticed recently with the right leg drop was that it went away after about six months, but when it got really, really cold, it would return. And these last couple of winters I've been through, um, it didn't happen. Um, when I would get cold, my leg would work just fine. I would walk just fine. Um, the fatigue is gone. Um, I wouldn't, wasn't able to walk long distances or take a hot shower or a hot bath without getting, um, I guess, almost feeling like you're fluey and you have no energy at all with fatigue. And um, that went away about three or four years after changing my diet. No grains at all, mostly just meat and veggies. And cognitively, I think my um, thinking has improved since I've gone keto. So the more fat I got, it seems like the more food my brain got. That's my short story. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So how long did it take before, like once you started making the dietary changes, how long was it before you started noticing a difference? I would say probably six weeks because um, mm-hmm. I went completely grain-free, no grains at all. And I think that giving um, my gut a break, um, I just noticed I slept better, I felt better, um, the fatigue was better, um, my thinking was a little bit better, but I think probably six weeks or so after I ditched grains completely, Mm. I started noticing a benefit. So with your wow. MS, were you taking any medications? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Can I can I regale you in my uh, anti-pharmaceutical company story? <laughs> um, the, the first one, 
They put me on what's called a rebus, and it's inter- interferon-based um, drug. It's an injectable. And um, the I, I don't know what they call it, but there's a period of time where you're on the medication where they say, okay, you're at the maximum benefit. And I think it was nine months with this rebus. And I was cruising along one day in my car uh, on this medication. I lost my vision. Couldn't see anything driving along oh. the road. Yeah, and so instead of calling my doctor, I called the pharmaceutical company first because I figured they would know. And they said, yes, ma'am, that is a side effect of Rebif. And so I called my doctor, and he switched me to Copaxone. And Copaxone is a, I forget the name of it, it's a different type of medication. It's suspended in um, something called Manitol. And Manitol in low doses is a diuretic and high doses anti-inflammatory, which is why they mixed it with this medication. So I was taking a diuretic, injecting myself a diuretic every day, and developed severe bladder problems. Eventually, I think I was on that one about eight months, and I said, screw it. I ain't taking this stuff anymore. And I just really, it was a leap of faith. I mean, I'd found the form. I'd found information to help me health-wise, and I just, it was a leap of faith to just ditch those drugs. So... Those were wow. two that I was on. Yeah, they were awful. <laughs> Did you tell your doctor that you switched your diet? No, fortunately, uh, coincidentally, he retired in the same time period. I got a letter in the mail like a week after I decided I was going to stop this medication, mm-hmm. saying I'm retiring and blah blah blah. So I never went back to see him. I haven't been back to the doctor oh. for MS since then. Money saved again. <laughs> yeah. Money yeah, saved. He, yeah. He's opened a private practice on his own. He was with a big neurology group, and um, I, I, I think he was kind of tired of that game himself. He was real supportive of my decision with the far infrared sauna and the detoxing and the O positives. I mean, the, the blood type diet. He said that he thought. A lot of his patients, he didn't call it the Jiminy Cricket method, but he said that something inside people knows what's going to help them sometimes and that he doesn't argue or debate, you know, if you think it's going to help you, go for it. I mean, he doesn't, didn't engage in those conversations. So That's good. Yeah. Yeah, relatively yeah. open-minded. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that. My pleasure. That's our first MS story. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yes, and I hope it reaches a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people don't know they can recover, that food is medicine, mm-hmm. and they can recover from some of these things because changing their diet. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Yeah, Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thanks. thanks for sharing. I guess uh, um, switching gears just slightly, uh, species gears, Let's talk about uh, pets for a minute. I know before the show, um, Erica had mentioned uh, some experience that she had with her dog, and uh, I had a, a similar one. But, Erica, do you want to share what yours was? Oh, um, repeat the question. Sorry. Oh, oh the, yes. the experience my, with your my... dog with the raw food diet. Oh, yeah. So um, I have a 10-year-old mutt, I guess you'd call her. She's a lot of mix of dogs, a Sharpay, German Shepherd, a few other things mixed in there. And um, about six years ago, she had a, what's called a torn ACL uh, in her knee. That was uh, an injury that uh, the vet, of course, required surgery, which costed several thousand dollars to uh, put a plate in the knee to um, have it work again. Otherwise, they would amputate it, which you know, it's, it's not the best solution for a dog. So we, we went through with the surgery 
and um, she used the leg for about six months, and then she stopped using it again. And purely because of the cost of the surgery, you know, we took her back to the doctor, and he made all these excuses about, you know, it's her breed, and I'm like, well, she's a mutt. She's not really one breed. And, you know, he basically said, well, I've done thousands of these surgeries, and it should work, and um, it didn't. And we didn't really have the money to go through that whole process again, so we kind of just had a three-legged dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, uh, w- when uh, we started reading about um, Zoya's research into the raw food diet for dogs, uh, we switched her and we took her off all. You know, we were buying really high-cost dry dog food, and you know, it's called solid gold. And we were joking that it really does cost solid gold to buy this kind of dog food, <laughs> and it um, it really. You know, it didn't, she still wasn't using her leg, but it seemed like within just a couple of days of changing to just feeding her raw hamburger meat and, you know, some other leftover vegetables that people wouldn't eat because they were going bad or whatever, um, she's starting and is using her leg now for the last seven months. And what's really amazing is that she's running And the one leg that she didn't use for six years is significantly smaller than the other one, obviously, because it was basically atrophied. But it's just so amazing, you know, to see a dog go through such a transformation and attribute it to diet. You know, you you never think, like, you're feeding your dog this solid gold dog food, but it's loaded with grains. And basically, uh, we did take her to the vet you know, uh, about six months ago because we were really upset about the issue. And, you know, he said, oh, her body's riddled with arthritis. You know, she'll, you know, again, he suggested amputating the leg. And at one point he even said, you know, is it even worth it? You know, maybe put this dog down. And that was just so horrifying to hear, you know, Mm. it's like a member of our family. Mm. And um, I just can't say enough about how this raw food diet has really changed her. She's like a a two-year-old again, you know, Mm -hmm. running around and chasing things. And um, the the inflammation has gone down, and it's just really remarkable. So that's that's my dog testimony. Oh, wow! (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I had a similar story, actually. It wasn't my own dog, but uh, when I was in holistic nutrition school, uh, I had a classmate who uh, who had two dogs. And unfortunately, I can't remember the breeds, um, but, but one of the dogs, it was a bigger dog. Like I think it maybe had German Shepherd in it or something like that. But uh, it started having hip problems. And um, it was actually, I think, fairly long-term hip problems. And it got to the point where it couldn't even jump into the car anymore. Um, I'm saying it because I can't remember whether it was a, a male or female. But uh, she had to, to lift it into the car to be able to, to take it anywhere or anything. It was really starting on, on a very uh, downward slope. Um, so utilizing the information that we were getting in school, um, she put it on a more species-appropriate diet, and that condition completely reversed. And it's like you're saying, Erica, like it was like a new dog um, running around, mm-hmm. jumping, playing, all that kind of stuff. She could get in the car, no problem. So, yeah, it, it just... And, you know, if you, if you can have these kinds of effects on an animal by feeding it in a species-appropriate diet, it only, you know, it, it seems obvious that if you put a human on a species-appropriate diet, you would have similar results. Yeah. And both yeah. would be happy. And so you can teach an old dog new tricks, but only if you yeah. feed it a species-appropriate diet. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, and like you said, Doug, she couldn't get in and out of the car either, and um, mm-hmm. her energy was very lethargic. I mean, she's kind of a calm dog as it is, but um, I really saw just what you explained. Like, just in a couple of weeks, you see radical changes, you know, and if you apply that to human health, it's the same thing, like all the testimonials we've had, you know. The vet wasn't going to offer, you know, buy the buy just some raw hamburger meat and it's a, like a fraction of the price mm-hmm. as the solid gold duck food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a similar experience with uh with our dog too. She was getting pretty fat uh and she had uh hip problems and the vet had said that she had arthritis and she had these lipid um benign tumors like under her armpits. And um so we switched uh, we we actually have switched back and forth twice, but now we're back on the raw food diet now. Um, she's lost a bunch of weight. She's not limping anymore. She was having a really hard time, like, just getting up the stairs before, and now she bounds all over the place like a puppy. You know, she's 10 years old. Um, and, yeah, she's, like, revitalized. Um, and the, the, the lipid uh, tumors, the I guess deposits or whatever you would call them, have shrunk. They've gone down. Um, so there's a lot of benefits there. And, uh, interestingly, we just had, uh, where I live, we just had a sled dog race. Um, and we were out talking to one of the guys who didn't have dogs in the race, but is a, a, a person who raises sled dogs. And he said he keeps them all on Rothbard, um, and that they need that for their energy, that their diet is actually something like 50% pure fat for the sled dogs. Wow. Yeah. And that's how they were raised to eat, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So we've got another caller on the line here. Um, so Adam right. is on the line. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Hey, everybody. Hi, Great show. Hello. Hey. Thanks. I uh, just wanted to say that it's actually really inspiring to hear all the different uh, changes that people have been able to make in their lives. Just, you know, from the simple changing of the diet, well, it's not exactly simple, but, you know, you get my drift. And Mm. so as far as, like, my experience goes along with that, I've never had any real major um, medical issues aside from being diagnosed with acid reflux when I was about 12. Um, Yeah, and so as I got older and I was still having problems with it, I was looking into different things, and I eventually became a vegan, and I ended up losing about probably 20 pounds, which I'm already kind of a small guy anyways, and so when I lost all that weight, it was like skin and bone, mm. and um, yeah, like uh, like some other people, it just kind of, the more I searched and the more I researched, I eventually found the forum and saw it and the ketogenic diet. And it was really kind of awesome how the the research, doing the research, acquiring the knowledge, and then actually applying that knowledge, just the kind of like the sense of freedom and the the personal empowerment that goes along with that. For me, it seems like because I've not had any major medical issues, that the the personal empowerment that came along with you know, taking charge of my diet and changing things and doing the research on my own 
that was the biggest change for me. And so anybody who feels, you know, like maybe there's nothing that they can do to help change their life, they're wrong. Yeah. I think that's a really good point uh, as far as the personal empowerment goes. You know, I think that people, we're kind of programmed in our culture to just kind of listen to the authority, listen to what the doctor has to say, um, you know, listen to the conventional wisdom on diet. Um, and it kind of is, you know, there's a, there's a shift that kind of has to happen here where people are kind of taking this into their own hands, doing the research themselves. Like you're saying, Adam, like it really, it kind of requires that you sort of, you know, shift your focus somewhat and say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to what uh, these authorities are saying because it's clearly not working. So, you know, there, there is, I, I kind of feel for people who are stuck in this kind of situation where they don't necessarily um, think to do this or they're scared to do this. Um, yeah, it, but, but just, you know, hopefully by listening to these kind of testimonials, people will be like a little bit more empowered to, to take these steps. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just dude. wanted to call and, and share that a little bit. Um, I've got to go, but, you know, thanks for taking my call, guys. Keep going. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, sure. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Bye. Yeah, and again, about the personal empowerment, um, I remember when I first made dietary changes for myself and I saw the differences. I saw how much better I felt. I lost some weight. And it kind of gives you confidence, like, hey, I did this. I made these changes. And something else comes along. So I know I'm going to be able to depend on myself and figure out what the answer is without having to rely on, you know, crazy doctors or <laughs> something like that. But yeah, it really does give you confidence to be able to tackle other issues in your life because you solve this, this one issue or multiple issues as some people have had, but it kind of, it pushes you forward and lets you know that you can really, you know, solve your problems if you really put your mind to it. And it's Definitely. very freeing in that way, too, where your health is in your hands. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. be true. Yep. Yeah. So we have another caller here. Uh, our switchboard is just lighting up right now. So <laughs> we have uh, Nancy on the line. Are you with us, Nancy? I'm here. Hey Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Hi everyone. Um Hi Nancy. I just wanna Hi. <laughs> I just wanna say I really enjoy your show. I think all of you are awesome. You do a great job. Uh, I'm calling in today just to um remark on the how the paleo and the keto diet affected my life and um I just wanna say that it actually saved my life. And mm. it added a few years onto my dog's life, also giving her the <laughs> the raw meat diet. And um, I just that's what I have to say. <laughs> I just think you guys are awesome. No, what kind of changes you. did you well, notice thanks. with yourself, Nancy? I'm sorry. What I kind didn't of changes you. did you notice with What kind of changes did you notice with yourself? Um, well, number one, I lost 70 pounds. Um, wow. I had a lot of inflammation in my body. Uh, it just felt like the nerves going down the outside of my legs were inflamed, and I couldn't sleep. Um, just very depressed. Uh, and once I 
I start I cut out gluten first and then dairy. I started to feel changes more positive. Um the weight loss was a big thing. Um adding more fat and decreasing the carbs. Um I just felt all over uh just a uh, overwhelming sense of um, wanting to continue with the diet. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I feel and like what about your dog? <laughs> well, my dog, um, she was a Yorkie, and she had a really hard time standing and walking and just getting up out of her bed. And I went to a dog nutritionist, and she said that she was getting too many carbs. So she recommended the raw meat diet. This was probably five years ago, and um, it was just like an overnight success. <laughs> and wow. once she started eating the raw meat, she was up and moving, and um, you could tell that she wasn't inflamed anymore. And it added a couple years to her life. She was 14 when she passed. Wow. wow. It, I, I th- just see amazing, amazing results with the diet. I recommend it highly. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. It's great. Yes. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing. Have a good day, and and thank you all for getting the word out there. Thank you for sharing, Take care. Bye. 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 Something I was thinking about, uh, based on what uh, Adam had said there about the the personal empowerment, um, it just made me think about like in one of our past shows when we were talking about uh, willpower and willpower failures, you know, and how to approach that and how you need to kind of be kind to yourself. Um, if I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have experience with this, but I was going to say if anybody's looking to get into the diet change and, you know, getting away from carbs and sugar uh, and gluten and going more towards like a high-fat, uh, low-carb diet, um, it's not easy, and I'm sure people will will echo that sentiment too. That you know, like it, it is very helpful. And once you notice the changes, you're like, "Holy crap, this is actually working!" Uh, and then you mm-hmm. feel more empowered to do it. But it's also, you know, there's a lot of temptation out there. You know, we're surrounded every day by the the modern American diet, the modern Western diet, and um, so I just encourage people to uh, to be kind to themselves in that regard. You know, like try not to make it you know, sort of a, uh, uh, a, like, religious castigation kind of thing where if you fail, you're like, oh, you know, I, I screwed it up. Um, you you know, you want to be very careful with what you're doing and how, you know, you don't want to fluctuate back and forth between, like, high mm-hmm. sugar and high fat. Um, but that being said, if you do happen to slip, you know, or if you find that it's very difficult, um, just, uh, you know, keep pressing forward and look up stories like the ones that we've been talking about today you know, get inspiration from other people's experience um, and, and try not to beat yourself up too much. I guess that's that's my two cents about that. It, it's worth it yeah, to, to persevere, you know. 
Yeah, at first it's a little psychologically difficult, but because you still have these emotional ties to all your favorite foods that you used to eat all the time. Once you slip mm-hmm. up a couple of times, like your body is quicker to send out those signs and signals that, hey, I don't like this food. You know, mm-hmm. stick with yeah. the stuff that works. I mean, when I first started, um, I went pretty – I mean, I started with uh, first cutting out gluten then dairy. I did kind of miss some of the foods that I used to eat. Um, I would go to the grocery store, and I would walk down the snack aisle, <laughs> and the, kind of like the chips and the cookies and stuff, and I would look at certain stuff that I used to eat, and I would kind of like say, hmm, yeah, I remember what that tastes like. It tasted really good. And then just like walking down the aisle was good enough for me. I'd get my mental mm-hmm. fix of the food and just move on and go on eating the good food that my body actually liked. <laughs> Even nowadays in the supermarket, when I see what other people buy to eat, I'm like, wow, how can we eat that? Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't have to walk down the snack aisle anymore. <laughs> but it's been yeah. several years. Another difficult thing that I found was the social pressure, too, especially going to, like, family events and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a big spread out of all the different uh, foods and, you know, you, you can't eat a good two-thirds of them and it's like, oh, God. And, you know, your aunt is upset that you're not trying her bread recipe or something like that. It's like <laughs> these, these social pressures can really be a, an issue too, which I think is part of the reason why having a uh, a connection to a network is important. You know, realize that you're not alone and you're not by yourself doing these uh these changes that there are, you know, people who are going through the same thing. It can be it can be very inspiring. Mhm. Yep. And it's great to see all the news that's coming out about it, you know, how fat's been demonized and people writing articles like Dr. Mark Hyman just released a book, The Skinny on Fat or something or mm-hmm. you know, uh, just to see how it's becoming so much more mainstream. I mean, you definitely have those debunkers that are like, "Ah, oh, the paleo diet's bad and wrong." And <laughs> but um that it's that you could actually say paleo and people know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. They don't think you're some weird archaeologist or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, they may not know exactly what gluten is, but they don't look at you funny when you say gluten-free. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, although you still get that kind of like, oh, you're one of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that definitely still exists. But fortunately, it's, you know, maybe lessening just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I guess we are coming up a little bit uh, short on time here, so let's go to the uh, pet health segment for today. Zoya has a segment for us regarding pain, uh, pain management with pets. Um, so let's go to that, and uh, when we come back, we'll have a recipe for today. So we'll be back after this. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the pet health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. My name is Zoya, and today I would like to share with you a short but educating and funny talk by Dr. Andy Rourke about pain signs in pets. Since pets can't just pick up and tell us when they are experiencing pain, we have to keep a lookout for clues. So in his talk, Dr. Andy shares 
eight subtle signs that your fur baby may be struggling. Enjoy. Sometimes it's obvious when pets hurt, but other times they are really good at hiding their pain. Unlike Meg, who was ejected from Disney World again. They were all robots! <laughs> and now, the vet who makes Dr. Doolittle look like Dr. Know-Nothing, Dr. Andy Rourke. People get really upset if they come in to see me for an annual examination with their pet, and I have to tell them that their pet is in pain. Often, they miss the subtle signs at home. Let's make sure this doesn't happen to you and your pet. I take my pets to a witch doctor when they're in pain. I thought you took your pets to Andy. I do. Here are the secret signs that pet owners often miss. If your dog or cat's hair coat is greasier or messier than usual, it may be because they've stopped grooming. We need to ask ourselves why. Often, it's because they're experiencing pain, either in their back or their neck, and it hurts them to groom, so they're not doing it. People tell me all the time that their dog has gotten grumpy in his old age. I guess he does things like bark at the squirrels to stay out of his yard, or play checkers at the dog park, or watch Fox News. No, no, it's, it's the news with real live foxes. They love it. Seriously, sometimes older dogs and cats just don't have the patience that they used to. However, pets that are becoming grumpy or aggressive often are uncomfortable. They cower, growl, or snap because they either hurt or they're worried about being hurt. If you had a painful back and someone, whether a human or a dog, sat on you, you'd probably hurt as well. I sat on my hamster's back one time. One time. Shallow, rapid breathing is one of the main signs of pain that I look for in my patients. It can even progress all the way up to panting. I guess Pet Health inspired a lot of songs by R. Kelly. Most pet owners think that panting means their pet is hot or tired. This isn't always true. I, however, am always hot and usually tired. If your dog is panting or breathing quickly at times that don't make sense, he could be in pain. Rapid, shallow breathing is also a sign of pain in cats. However, if your cat is panting, grab him and go to the vet right now. Panting in cats is bad news. If your dog used to jump up onto the bed and has stopped, or if he used to follow you up and down the stairs and doesn't do that anymore, that makes me suspicious of arthritis or other possibly painful processes. I stopped walking up the stairs years ago. I really wish you would stop making me carry you up the stairs. The same thing is true if your cat stops jumping up on the countertops, climbing the cat condo, or generally getting around like he used to. There are lots of reasons that pets lick or chew spots on their bodies. One of the main ones is pain. If your pet is always licking one spot, especially if it's a joint or an area that's been wounded, there's a good chance that it hurts. Pets that get up and down and circle and just can't get comfortable and settle may be hurting. I hear people say all the time, oh, he's old and he doesn't sleep so well anymore. Often, these pets are old and thin, and so there's not a lot of padding on their bones, and it's uncomfortable for them to lay around. If you have an old pet that just can't get comfortable, we need to make sure he's got a bed that's soft, supportive, and full of padding. If he still can't get comfortable, we need to look a little deeper. Some pets just don't want to be picked up, and I get that. I don't want to be picked up. Well, how do we get you to move? Use your words. If your pet used to be fine being picked up 
and now he cowers, runs, cries, or bites when you reach for him, I'd make sure he's not in pain. Older pets can have house training accidents. Sometimes it's just a slip, but other times it's painful for them to get up and move around. Also, I see pets with back pain that are struggling to get into the right posture to go. In dogs, this can lead to constipation. In cats, it can lead to spraying outside the litter box. What causes them to spread litter everywhere outside the box? Aliens. Thank you so much for watching. Please help me to help pets by sharing this video with other pet lovers and by telling me what topics you'd like to see covered on the Cone of Shame in the comment section below. Until next time, let's be the people that our pets deserve.
Right. Yeah, and on yeah. on the other on the other hand, um, a lot of all well, some of the people who advocate the ketogenic diet, um, they still eat things like dairy, cream, um, mm-hmm. you know, yogurt, these types of things. Yeah. Right. All right. So yeah, just to clear that up. Um, but since that uh, being our our topic for today for the recipe. Um, recipes usually conform to this style of diet, but I wanted to go uh, whole hog, no pun intended, on uh, <laughs> on, on uh, pork stock or, uh, you know, what we will also commonly call bone broth. Um, it's a really uh, a great way to get your nutrition, uh, to get the fat that you need for the ketogenic diet. Um, and, uh, you know, bones contain a lot of nutrients, and the uh, the broth that you can make from them is, is very uh, healthy, is energizing. Um, it's especially nice in the winter, but it's also good year-round. Um, so this recipe is specifically for pork stock. Uh, so the ingredients, uh, you know, you can use this for soups and other things too, um, or you can just have it by itself. Um, you want... Uh, this, now, this makes up to 64 ounces of stock, um, so you need a large stock pot, um, three pounds of pork bones, one tablespoon of salt, one tablespoon of peppercorns, and one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. So, and it, it, the recipe that I've got here, I thought this was interesting because I've personally never tried this approach before, but they say to uh, put all the bones in the pot, cover them completely with water, just water and bones. Um, cook on high until the water comes to a boil and the scum rises to the top, which is about five minutes. So in the initial five minutes, you get a lot of scum coming out of the bones, which is kind of like a foamy, scummy kind of thing on the surface. They say in this recipe to, after that initial five minutes, dump the entire pot of, of water and begin again this time adding the salt, peppercorns, and vinegar to the water. And then once it comes to a boil, reduce it to a low heat um, and simmer for at least nine hours. Uh, you can also you can simmer it even for up to 24 hours if you're using something like a crock pot. Um, so <clears throat> that is supposed to remove uh, dumping that initial kind of scummy water off of the uh, bones is supposed to remove some of the kind of gamey and bitter taste from the broth. Um, so yeah, I'm curious about this. So this is something that, that I will be trying out uh, to see how it works, and I can report back. Um, but that's it. I mean, you know, it's just salt, peppercorns, and uh, and vinegar. Uh, you simmer for at least nine hours, up to 24 hours. Um, remove the pot from the heat afterwards. Uh, strain out the stock. Um, uh, place the stock into a large airtight container. Usually, like a mason jar works really well, uh, and then. You can uh, either keep the fat mixed in with the stock, you know, and when you heat it back up, just mix it in, or you can skim it off the top and store that in another container and then just use the stock by itself either for soups or uh, standalone. Um, so, yeah, uh, and one point about the vinegar is the, the reason for that is actually to draw the gelatin out of the bones. That's why you use vinegar when you're making bone broth. Um, you'll notice that if you and I've tried this a couple of times with and without vinegar. And if you don't use the vinegar, it's just a little bit more watery. But if you use vinegar, it actually draws much more gelatin out of the bones, out of the marrow. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the broth recipe. Yeah. 
And it's great, too. Um, what I've done is to put it in uh, Ziploc bags and freeze it um, mm. if you can't eat it all right away and then use it as your base in cooking, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if you're making mm-hmm. a, sure. a soup or something, so so it's got all that nutrients in there. and um, It's good as a base for pate, too. Mm. I will do that. I will freeze it because sometimes I have leftovers. And yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes bad. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, it lasts for quite a while. Um, the only thing, if, you know, if you're storing it without freezing it, you just want to keep an eye on it. Uh, it can go rancid after a while, but I think it takes quite a while. Uh, I've, I've actually never had it go rancid on me, so I'm not even sure what the time frame is for that. I think two, three days it has been okay. And sometimes I forgot mm-hmm. it and yes, a week and it's already rancid. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I've had mine last a lot wow. longer than that. Like up to even like 10 days, mm-hmm. it usually is uh, pretty good. But uh, I guess there's a lot of different factors that can play into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've even given right, it if well, it's I... gone a little bit off to my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I will be a happy furry friend. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's our, our show for today. We'd like to thank uh, all of our callers. We had a really amazing turnout for phone calls today, so that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um Thanks to Peg and Mia for doing that interview uh, and for everybody else that called in for our chat participants. Uh, really appreciate you guys being involved and listening. Um, be sure to stay tuned for the other two shows that are on the SOT Radio Network, uh, The Truth Perspective, tomorrow at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern U.S. time uh, on Blog Talk Radio and then also on uh, Sunday, uh, Behind the Headlines, which is at noon, and I think has behind the headlines now completely moved over to the new SOT radio network. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, check SOT.net, S-O-T-T.net for more information on that. Uh, and we will also be moving in the near future as well, but we will keep you uh, posted on those details, uh, but be sure to tune into those shows. And uh, for now we will be back here on blog talk radio next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, so thanks again, everybody, for tuning in, and have a great weekend. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.